Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. I'm excited to preach this morning. Y'all ready for the Word of God? Fantastic. Hey, real quick before we go any further, um, as the lead pastor of this house, it's an absolute honor. It's a privilege. Adrian and I mean that when we say that. And because it's a privilege, there's something I've got to ask for us. So can we just have one second of, of a house cleaning note? Is that okay? Here at Takeover Church, it's not just the worship team, as Zach and Scott were talking about in Serve Crew, but there's a teardown, there is a, a setup, there's hosts, there's t- uh, kids. Everybody gets um, here early to do great things and make this thing awesome, but so much actually goes into this uh, Monday through Saturday. Believe it or not, people are getting together, they're practicing songs, they're free- figuring out chair arrangements, they're doing things to build into this house, and... I feel like we could do a better job not only honoring our God, but honoring the people who give and serve to make this place what it is if we could be the church on time. No shame, no shade, but for this house, man, we want to we be above the standard. We're not, we're not interested in having a church that we have to fool people by starting it three minutes later than is advertised or setting it at some random time because we know that people will be running late. Instead, we want to give our God and our people who we serve with and we do life with a good offering, and we want to honor them by being here on time. Can we get behind this church? Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. I don't need to say any more. But that's from me and Adrienne. We love this place. We love you. And let's just do this thing together. Does that sound good? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, we are continuing our series, Anointed. Has anybody been blessed by this so far? Yeah. Come on. Uh, it has been such an honor to preach, this, uh, to preach this message series. It's been on our hearts. And there was no better way to start off this brand new decade, brand new 2020, than to talk about God's anointing that is all over our lives. And if you don't believe that yet, five weeks deep, I hope that this continues today to convince you that you are anointed. You're not just here by accident or happenstance or designed to just barely get by in this life, but he actually has purposed you and called you and he has put an an anointing that is all over your life significantly and specifically designed for you to do something great in this earth for his name. Does that sound good? So the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes from my note takers at, man, you're a good looking bunch. You're a good looking bunch. Scientifically proven, you get better looking the more notes you take in church. Scientifically proven. It's good. You get younger, you get fitter. It's great. It's so good. Um, You don't need to start the year off with a gym membership. You just got to start taking notes. It's good. Uh, The title of my message this morning is this. It is anointed and afraid anointed and afraid. And if you are taking notes today, we're coming out of Matthew 10, 26 through 31, but it's also going to be up on the Sky Bible back here. So here we go. So have no fear of them. 
For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, whatever you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Awesome. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord will do with that. Sound good? Awesome. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this place right now. Jesus, we just put you at the center of this service, God. We are not interested in distractions. We are not interested in reservations for after service right now, God. No matter what our life has looked like this week, we turn all attention over to you. Do whatever you want to do in this moment, God. We know that your word is alive, it is active, it does not return void, it goes out, and it is sharper than a double-edged sword, God. So this morning, we want to leave today looking more like your son, Jesus. We thank you for everything that you're about to do in and through this service, in Jesus' mighty name. Faithful Church said, amen. Amen. Can we just make some noise for Jesus one time? Give us a praise. Come on. Man, he's just, he's just so good. I'm, I'm emphatically convinced at the young, ripe age of 29. I know some of y'all believe me when I said I was 42. I lied. I'm sorry. But at 29, I am convinced that he is better than I think he is. I am convinced that he's doing more than I know he is. I am convinced right now, and I want to be more convinced next year and the year after that, and I want to get to 105 and tap out at the end of my life and know that God was always better than I, than I thought he was, than I recognized he was. He is so much better. I want to get better every day. I want to grasp that a little bit more. But this morning, anointed and afraid, I think that title's a little buck wild. Are you with me? That's a little crazy. Because this whole time, for five weeks straight so far, we have just heard all of these amazing titles that are just so like, you know, like poppy and uplifting and makes you excited, you know? Like anointed and called. Anointed and seated. Anointed and purposed. Anointed and guarding. Like these are all like, yeah, man. God's good all the time, man. And he is. But what I want to do this morning is I kind of want to, I want to go a little bit beyond that. If we can, I would like to look at the point of our anointing that isn't as sexy, that isn't as in vogue, that's not as pretty sounding or as good looking sounding. It's not really the part that you're going to Instagram. It's not really the Facebook page that you're going to make. It's the part of our anointing that we all deal with, that we all struggle with when we step out into this great exploit that God has for us. How many of you know it can be scary? How many of you know fear is a very real thing when you step out into what God has for you? Will somebody just proclaim right now this morning, I ain't scared? does my soul good when you say it. Say, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. But there's this part of walking out into our anointing, really stepping out into everything that God has for us that can be daunting, that can be intimidating, 
that can make us feel worried, that we can get a little shaky, that we can wonder where our provision is going to come from, where we can begin to get off track a little bit. We lose track of our certainty that we had when we started because we've gotten further out into this thing that he's called us to do. I think if we're being honest this morning, a lot of us are far more acquainted, far more familiar with fear, worry, anxiousness than we would ever care to like to admit. I know it's big right now on social media. Social media is trash, just so you know. Social media, we like to post these photos and these videos where we're just raw and it's emotion and it's all these things and that still doesn't tap the fear that a lot of us live with. Some of us, we... We want to walk out into everything that God has for us. And we'll say it at church. And we'll say it at our cruise. And we'll say it in our daily lives. But not many of us are actually walking in, walking out all that God has for us. Because truth be told, we don't really want all that God has for us. It sounds good. It looks great on social media. It makes our pastor feel good when we say it. It makes our spouse feel good when we say it. But if we're being honest, we don't really want all that God has for us because we want the success that God has for us, but we don't want the troubles that come along with it. We want the marriage that God has for us, but we don't want the battles that come along with it. We want to do what he's made us to do, specifically designed us to do in this life, to impact this city, these people for the kingdom of God, but we don't want the slander that comes along with it. We don't want the hard conversations that come along with it. We don't want to have to step out of our comfort zone to be bold enough to do it. But friends, I got to tell you, on the other side of fear is all that God has for you. On the other side of fear is God's blessing. On the other side of your fear is God's approval. It's his unmerited favor and grace. We started off this series talking about what God's anointing actually is. It's God's approval. It's God's unmerited, undeserved grace and mercy shown and favored all over you. But friends, what God's anointing also is, God's anointing is always an assignment. He doesn't anoint you simply to anoint you. He doesn't put his approval on you, his stamp of oil approval on you. He doesn't anoint you and give you favor simply so that you have anointing, have favor. No, no, no. Whenever God anoints, God appoints you for an assignment. Amen. You have something to do with this life. And it's when we begin to step out into that assignment. It's when we begin to step out and to see this great unknown, great beyond. We start to look at what this thing is that God has called us to do. That's when fear is able to sink in. That's when fear is able to cripple. That's when fear is able to overcome us. But I don't believe that's ever our design. I don't believe that was ever God's intent. I don't believe that that is all that he has for you. He doesn't anoint you so that fear can cripple you. He anoints you so that you can cripple fear. So in this story, in this passage of scripture, I love it. I don't feel like we preach on it a whole lot because there's this weird, awkward tension where Jesus says, don't fear the ones, man, devil, demons, 
any of it. Don't fear the ones who can simply kill your body. No, fear the one. Notice how one is singular and ones was plural. Fear the one who can kill both body and soul. There's this awkward tension because we don't want to exist in a place where we feel like we have to fear God. But if we look at the entire context of this moment, the context with his boys, with his disciples, I think it'll make a little bit more sense. It'll sit a lot better and it will also be far more challenging. You see in this story, Jesus is actually, he calls his 12 disciples. This is the moment he's gone through. He's walked around. He's like, yo, come with me. One guy's like, yo, I got to go bury my dad. And he's like, yo, let the dead bury the dead. And he's like, yo, I got to go do this. And he was like, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. You're unfit for the kingdom. But he went to all these dudes and some of them have turned away and some of these girls have turned away. But then these other ones, these 12, these 12 answered the call. And Jesus, when he takes his 12 disciples, he anoints them. And they go from a life of what was to what will be. Some of them, they go from being fishermen to fishers of men. Some of them go from robbing people to blessing people. Tax collectors, a.k.a. knuckle breakers, okay? Levi, who becomes Matthew. He took these boys He took these people, and as his disciples grow, he anointed them, and he took them from whom they were when he found them to who they will be, to the assignment that God actually has for their life, which is far better than what he took them out of. But he anoints them. And in this moment, he lets them know, hey, here's the situation. You're going to go forth. You're going to go out. You see these miracles that I'm doing? Yeah, yeah, you're going to do them. You're going to heal. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to bring good news to both the Jew and the Gentile. That's now your assignment. You are now the church. You are now the messenger of the gospel. You have a role in this that only you can fulfill, Peter. So quit cutting off ears, being dumb, and get to work. And Jesus, as he brings in these boys, he lets them in on a few things. He's like, just so you know, this game this life that I've called you to, what you're anointed for, it ain't easy. In fact, people are going to hate you. And back in the day, hating was worse than it is now. Someone eggs your house, big whoop. Someone slanders you on Facebook, who cares? Back in the day, someone tries to stone you by putting a board over top of your body and sticking rocks on it until it crushes you alive, Completely different situation. So he lets him know. He says, people are going to hate you. Hate meant something more. Now we got haters, all my haters. Like, shut up with that, okay? Haters. No, 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 no. Those are just people who don't have the stones to talk to you in public and actually clarify and have confrontation and figure out what your life should look like, okay? Haters. Silly. But in real life, back then, hating was for real. Hating had consequences. It meant that people were going to come at you, that people were going to charge you with things that you are not guilty of. People are going to come at your family. They're going to try and take not only your life, but the life of everybody around you. And so he tells these boys, he says, they are going to hate you, but fear not. And again, context brings clarity No, no, Jesus, you just said they're going to hate me. No, 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 no. 
You said, come to me, drop your nets, take up the cross, follow me, quit doing what you're doing. You offered me life, life to the full. You said all these great things, and now you're saying they're going to hate me. I don't want to hate. I wanted to participate, but I don't want to hate, okay? And Jesus is like, whoa, fear not. Pump your brakes, kid. Fear not. Fear not. They don't really hate you. You're going to get the repercussions of their hate, but it's not really you, Peter, that they hate. It's not really you, Thomas, that they hate. They don't really hate you. They hate the God in you. They don't really hate you. They hate what you're saying. They hate what you're doing. They hate that you're actually taking people off their mats and giving them their legs back. They hate that you're extending arms forward. They hate that you're pulling people out of their village. They hate that you're healing eyes. They hate that you're casting out demons. They hate that you're healing daughters of boys. They hate this. But they don't hate you personally. They hate you because the God on the inside of you. Friends, one of the things that we got to know with anointing always comes darkness conspiring against you. The darkness can't help. Sin can't help but conspire against God's anointing. Darkness cannot help itself. The enemy cannot help itself. The second you come alive in Christ, you are dead to him. You are dead to sin. And therefore, darkness will do everything in its power to try and get you back from the grasps of light. So Jesus lets him know, they're going to hate you, but fear not. When brothers turn against brothers, fear not. When family turns against family, fear not. When they come for your head on a silver platter, fear not, John. Because it ain't you that they hate. It's me in you that they hate. It's the spirit of God flowing through you that they hate. And Jesus lets them know, darkness will always conspire against God's elect against God's chosen people, against God's anointed people. You got to know this morning because of your anointing, your anointing is a sign that you are God's choice. Darkness always rebels against God's choice and God chooses you. I don't know if you needed to hear that today. I don't know if your week looked like hell, but God has chosen you and purposed you for heaven. You have been chosen by God. He's chosen you for an assignment. He's chosen you for a role. He's chosen you for something significant and specific to who you are as a person. And it's when we get into those deep waters, it's when we start stepping out into the deep end of that anointing. It's when we start getting in the thick of it, when the 50C3 actually has to start having money and you start worrying about where are these assets going to come from? I don't currently have them. Where is this going to come from? I don't currently have that. Where, where is this all going to happen? And suddenly fear is able to invade where faith should reside. And we start being overcome by fear and worry and anxiety. Some of us have been detoured by our fear. Some of us have been stunted by our fear. Some of us have been crippled. We have been riddled with fears to the point of our life being catatonic. Not even just the call of God being crippled by fear, but our lives being crippled by fear. Some of us have suffered, since, some, suffered from such serious anxiety and worry in our lives. We can't, even, we can't even go on a coffee date with someone from church. 
We can't even begin to be in community that we're called to because we're so worried. We're so fear-based in our living. We're so just completely held captive by our fear that we can't get past this. And so I love this piece of scripture because Jesus, he makes it very clear to these boys. They're going to hate you, persecute you, brothers, family, people are going to turn on you. Everything is going to go south in this game because darkness can't help itself, but fear not. And they're like, okay, you're telling me all these bad things are going to happen, but we're going to do some cool stuff but you want me to fear not? It seems like fear, a little trepidation, is kind of what's needed here. It seems like a big deal. It seems like a lot of things can be taken away from me. And see, when Jesus, he says in this piece of scripture, do not fear the ones that could kill just your body. Fear the one who can kill both body and soul. What Jesus isn't looking for here, he's not looking for you to walk around uh, in, in trepidation around the Lord. No, 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 no. You misunderstand Jesus. You misunderstand Jesus. If that was the case, Hebrews wouldn't say that you could come boldly before the throne of God and ask him for anything. If that was the case, you would approach God, you would tremble around God, you would be in actual fear of God, you would never go to him for anything. In fact, you would avoid him in fear of him smiting you. No, 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 what Jesus is declaring here, don't respect don't respect, don't you for a minute, when oceans rise against you, when armies come for you, when your family turns against you, don't you dare respect what the devil is able to take from you over what your God is able to give you. Oh, I'm sorry, do I need to say that again for the people in the back? Somebody in here today, you need to hear this. We are not called to respect what the devil is able to take more than we respect what God is able to give. Come on, somebody. So when Jesus declares this statement, he's drawing another line in the sand. He is saying, no, 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 fear of God means awe. It means reverent. It means respect. It means wonder of God. Don't you dare respect the devil more for what he's able to take than you respect God for what he's able to give. We are not called to walk in fear. Fear not. Don't fear the one who can destroy simply your body. Devil, do your worst. You may come for my body, but my God is a healer. I wish the devil would come because you could try and take my marriage, devil, but my God is a mender. You might come for my character, devil, but my God is a restorer of my character, our Bible says. Come on, church. This is who he is. This is what he does. Jesus is laying it down for his boys. You are responding more to fear of what this little redheaded stepchild can take from you than what your God, your Father in heaven, can give you. Yeah. Anointed and afraid. I've called you for a purpose. Locusts might come, they might try to steal, they might take, they might devour, but our God, he is a redeemer, he is a restorer, he is a provider. That is who and what he is, friends. Don't you dare respect the devil. The light, light doesn't respect darkness. That's why when you turn a light on, darkness has to go. Light doesn't respect darkness. We are children of the light, are we not? Are we a children of the light people today? Come on. Do you believe that you are a child of the light? Yes. That we don't respect darkness. I don't care the diagnosis. I don't care the roadblock in your way. I don't care what comes up against you. 
We don't respect the darkness and we don't bow to fear. We are children of the most high God. The only need that we take a name for, the only name that we take a knee for rather is the name of Jesus. And so Jesus, he just lays this down and he says, do not fear the one that can simply kill your body, but fear the one that can kill both body and soul. That devil, what he wants to take from you, there ain't nothing that he could take that our God could not restore. Our Bible tells us that our devil, bro, you're gonna pay back with interest. What you try and steal from me, my God's gonna avenge sevenfold. What you're gonna try and take from my house, from my kids, from my family, from my purpose, from my anointing, when we begin to step out and we begin to focus on more what the devil can take from us, we've lost the plot. We lose our place in the story. Our God is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask, dream, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20, fam. Our God, our, the devil isn't able to take from you more than you could ask, dream, or imagine. He can't exceed the limits of your imagination with what he can take and what he can steal from you. Hands off my marriage, devil. I'm not going to fall for the thievery. My God is the great mender. He's the great provider. He's the restorer. And if I keep him at the center of my marriage, you can't have your hands on it. Don't respect the amount the devil's able to take over the amount your God is able to give, church. And so I love this part of Scripture. I think it's difficult to preach on. I think it's hard to wrap our heads around. I think we get stuck on that word fear because we don't understand it. But our God is saying to you and to me the same thing Jesus was saying to those boys. 2020, no, 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 no. We're not going to respect the devil. We don't respect him. He is crushed under our God's feet. Therefore, his permanent resting place is under our feet. We don't respect him. So when he gets in your head with what ifs, Oh man, what if, you know, what if I step out into what he's called me to do and don't work out? What if I step out and start believing for healing? Man, I'm anointed, right? I'm anointed. He's called. My salvation isn't simply for, for heaven. It's for now. It's complete. It's healing for today. Not just the new body I'll have in heaven. If I just begin to step out and actually believe my God has anointed me a child of God, therefore there is his provision. What if it doesn't work out? What if I make these bold declarative prayers and I don't see the results? What if I step out into this business that he's called me to do? Man, there's a lot of real estate happening in Grand Rapids and a lot of it's dodgy and a lot of it's underhanded and I'm seeing all these people not operate with any integrity and they're going in, they're gentrifying this and they're taking over that and they're doing these things and, and, and what if I decide to step out? What if I take this up on what you've called me to do? Take over realty, God, and, and I'm supposed to come and I'm supposed to develop and I'm supposed to do these things. And, and what if the interest doesn't come? And what if the investors don't come? And, and what if I throw these investors parties? And, and what if they don't give? And what if my vision isn't good enough? And we get in our heads with these what ifs. What if I try to mend my marriage? And what if there's too much damage? And we start living a limited life based off the what-ifs of the devil. Friends, I got to tell you, as a Christian man, not just as a pastor, as someone who has been rescued by Jesus Christ himself, as a Christian man, I am not interested in existing in a place from the devil's worst. I am interested in living in a place from God's blessed. Yes. 
I will not settle for the devil's worst in my life. I will only go for and shoot for and work for and strive for and pray for and believe for God's blessed in my life. God's blessed in my life. I don't believe it is the destiny of a Christian to live, suffer, to suffer, beat down, to beat down. I do not. These things will come. Trials will come. But Jesus Christ himself said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You might feel like suffering, but you can actually take heart. You can actually overcome. Fear doesn't have to overcome you. You can overcome fear. Amen? Amen. This is who our God is. And so Jesus, again, don't respect it. Don't you dare start living a life where you respect the devil more than you do your God. Friends, can I encourage you this morning that if you are up against the wall, if you are full of fear, if you are riddled with anxiety, if you feel like you don't know how you're going to do what you're supposed to do in this life, heck, maybe you don't even know how you're going to live right now. Maybe, maybe anointing and calling isn't even where you're at right now. Maybe you're just going like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it to Monday. Like, I'm in church. I'm trying to get some knowledge. I'm trying to get my soul stirred up. But I am battling. I am losing. I am losing hard right now. If that's how you're feeling, if you are feeling up against the wall, can I just take a brief intermission to encourage you this morning and let you know if you feel like if you're a Jesus follower today and you feel like your back is up against the wall, that wall is actually the palm of his hand. He hasn't left you. He hasn't dropped you. He hasn't failed you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't failed anybody in this room yet. And he's not going to start with you. If you're feeling today that you are up against the wall and you don't know what direction to go, know that you are in the exact right place that you need to be firmly secured in the palm of his hand. That is where you are. There's no greater place to be. One of the things I want to encourage you with this morning as well is, did you know that God doesn't fear? That if you are feeling fear right now, if you live a life plagued by fear, that fear didn't exist until the fall of man, until the garden happened, that fear is just a counterfeit version of wonder, that fear is just a broken version of awe, that God did not give you when he gave you all of these emotions, when he created you in his image. Fear wasn't part of your genetic coding, but when we chose to sin and go against what God said was best for our life as humanity in the garden, suddenly wonder became fractured, awe became broken, and it turned into fear. Fear is just a counterfeit version of wonder. Before, we used to live with this awestruck, awe-shucks, awe-wonder of God. Wonder of who he is. Wonder of what he's made us to do. Oh my gosh, God is so big. He's so good. He's so vast. He's given us this world. He's given us this thing to do. And we have all of this at our disposal here and now. Wow! Will you look at the majesty of God? Would you look at the wonder of God? But suddenly... It's no longer easy. It's no longer our first nature. It's a new nature that we have to put on daily. It's a new nature that we have to choose daily to live out. Because before it was, man, look at this big unknown. How good is God? God is in the unknown. He's going to do cool stuff in the unknown. And now when we're getting ready to step out into the deep end of our calling and the deep end of what God has made us to do, suddenly now we don't embrace the unknown with awe and wonder. We fear the unknown because we can't project what will happen there. 
We're so familiar with failure, so familiar with fear that we can't even begin to look at the unknown, the untraveled terrain of this life and go, man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do when I start this. He's anointed me. He's appointed me. He's given me a sign that I can't wait to see what he does. Suddenly it's what if this doesn't work out and what if that doesn't work out. Friends, we were never called to live from a place of counterfeit wonder. God doesn't fear. And if God doesn't fear and his spirit is on the inside of you, then you can actually do what Jesus said to do, and that is fear not. So in the scripture right here, in this next part, he says this. This is huge. This is huge. Verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Be even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than many sparrows. You see, church, there are so many things that that we do that we can't stop doing until we realize and figure out why we do them. You see, you can't stop a tree from growing by just simply cutting off its fruit. No, no, no. How many of you know if you want to stop a tree from growing in your backyard, you got to uproot that sucker. You got to go as deep as it goes. You got to take those roots and you got to pull them out. So many of us we fear and we worry and we have and fear has been allowed to bear fruit in our lives because we are uncertain of our position with God. You see, fear is able to weasel its way into this gap that we have between God and us. You see, God, he is certain of our position with him. He is certain of our relationship with him. He is certain in his ability to provide. That's why he's called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. He is certain of his ability to heal in your life, which is why he is called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer, right? He is certain of his ability to lead you to victory in every battle you face. That is why he is called the Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. He is certain of his position and his relationship in our lives where fear is allowed to get in and mess us up, rule our lives be led by it, be overcome by it, be corrupted by it, be stunted by it, be detoured by it, is when we fail to recognize that we have got deep roots that go down into our position with him. You see, God never wanted us to put down deep roots into a position with him. God wants us to put down deep roots in our relationship with him. It's the relationship with him that gives this thing power. When Jesus says this right here, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. No, 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 no. Jesus doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, just like the sparrow's feathers, God has numbered the hairs on your head and he knows you. No, 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 no. He doesn't talk about how he's intimately familiar with the sparrow's feathers. He talks about how he's intimately familiar with the numbers of hair on your head. You see, friends, God's relationship to the sparrow is completely different than his relationship to us. So when Jesus says that you are more valued than the sparrow, he's using that to say creation God's relationship with it is creator and created. God's relationship with you is father and daughter, father and son. It's from relationship that fear doesn't have a place to live. It's that relationship that expunges fear, that dries up fear, that cripples fear. It's when you allow your roots to go deep in who he says that you are and he calls you child before he calls you pastor. He calls you child 
before he calls you marketing expert. It's daughter that he calls you before he calls you yoga instructor. It's daughter that he calls you before he calls you spouse, before he calls you wife. It's son that he calls you before he calls you father. It's son that he calls you before he calls you entrepreneur. It is son, it is daughter. And it's when we become certain of ours, not our position, but our relationship with him that we're able to close that gap. See, God is far more, whether you believe this right now or not, God, God values you more than you value you. Heck, can I say it this way? God values you more than you value him. God is more familiar with you than you are with him. And it is out of that place of family. It is out of that place of sonship. It is out of that place of adoption that you don't have to be overcome by fear, but you can actually overcome fear. You're no longer a slave to fear because you are a child of God. You're not sold into bondage anymore to anything else. You are a child of God. He says, fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Fear bears much fruit. When we put down deep roots into a position with God that we're uncertain of. But faith can bear much fruit, friends. Come on, somebody, help me preach it. Faith can bear much fruit when we put down deep roots into our relationship, being certain in our relationship with him as a father and us as his child. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Anointed and afraid. There's this piece of scripture that just kept coming back to me this whole week. It's Psalms 27.1 and... He says this, this is David, he's writing the psalm and he's declaring it to the Lord. And he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And I love that because he's making this declaration right now that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? David is saying, do I got any takers? Does any name want to rise up and declare that I should fear you when the Lord is my light and my salvation? Friends, salvation, salvation means saved. Salvation means adopted. Salvation means kept. Salvation means I have made you my own now. You can't save me, so you can't break me, devil. I don't have to respect you. Man, woman, spouse, boss, whomever you may be, you can't save me, so I can't fear you. You can't save me, so I don't respect you. You can't break me. You can't save me. So I will not fear and respect what you can take from me more than what my God is able to give me. And then he says this, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? 
devil, you can't have a stronghold in my life because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Manipulation? Nah. You can't be a stronghold in my life because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Abuse? My past? Alcoholism? Whatever it is that's trying to plague me, trying to take from me, that the devil is using to rob me of my call, of my anointing, of what God's made me to do? No, 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 you can't have my assignments. Fear, you can't be a stronghold in my life anymore because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Do you believe it this morning, church? Do you believe it this morning, church? Then we're going to stand up in this moment. We're going to go back into a moment of worship. We're going to receive this word. We have one of our amazing leaders in the back, Zach. If you just need a fresh touch from God, if you need him just to put some oil on your head, anoint you, pray with you, cry with you, believe with you in this moment, for God's best to still come about in your life, for fear to lose its grip and a stronghold in your life, and to remake God the stronghold of your life, he is right back there. But for the rest of us, and I encourage you to do so, there is power in prayer. There is power in confession. There is power in anointing people's heads with oil. There is power, so please take full advantage of it. But for the rest of us, if we would just close our eyes all across this place. I don't know, but maybe we just need to write a worship song right here, right now that says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord has a stronghold on my life. Whom shall I fear? And hopefully it's somebody who can sing better than me. But I just believe right now, if we just began to declare in the presence of God, in the table of before our enemies, right now in this space and in this place, that the Lord is the stronghold. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And we just let the devil know, not today, that we don't respect him. We let those anxious worries and, and, and anxieties that's on the inside of us, that's riddled our heart right now. We don't respect you. You can never take away as much as my God can give. I do not respect you. So as the worship, as the worship team just begins to sing right now in this place, Let's just lift up a praise. Let's lift up a worship. Let's shout down the devil. Let's lift up the kingdom of God. Let's raise our banner high. And let's listen to what our God has for us in this moment. Amen.